everybody. Hello, hello, hello. <clears throat> good evening, good evening. The week is half over. You say Frank, but it's a Thursday. How could it only be half over? Well, if you don't remember, we still have tonight, we have tomorrow, and we have Saturday night. This Saturday is the Saturday night special for the month of June. So you're getting a little bit extra, getting a little bit of overtime in with me. I don't know what we're going to do on Saturday night yet, but there's plenty of stuff to do tonight and tomorrow. Oh man, it's just a news and theories and views and reviews kind of a night, and I hope that we get a lot of your calls in, but we have a little bit of reading to do first, especially with this this IRS uh, whistleblower, or whistleblowers. Oh man, it's just, it's good to read through it just to just to be able to realize again that you don't really need to go to very many television shows to be put into a place where there is, I don't know, psychological thrills and chills and um, dastardly plots and scheming and all that stuff. We don't need to watch House of Cards. We're in House of Cards. Um, there's just so much. There's so much to, to, to sift through here, but I want to do a little bit of that with you. Uh, there's some more definitive updates on the, the Titanic submarine. And I have some media we can do in the second half, and we have time for it. We have a badass to do before we jump off around 8.27 p.m. tonight, because it is the fourth and final session of the reading portion of this late spring session for book club. We're finishing that up tonight with Charlie Robinson. And um, and then we got nothing on the schedule until August. August, ladies and gentlemen, you must, A, become a sponsor so you can get all of these, these uh, unlisted links sent to you or posted on any number of the subscription sites that we are, that we're affiliated with. You can see that on the Sponsor Us page on quitefrankly.tv. But in August... It's going to be great to have you on for Devil in the White City. Uh, our co-host, we've got a great co-host in Lindsay Sharman. That's going to be Wednesday nights in August. You'll be able to get in on all those, quite frankly, book club threads that are posted every week. And that's going to be a really, uh, really awesome experience. No doubt about it. So for tonight, I'm looking through what we have going on. Uh, you know, uh, next week... We start off with Rich Barris. Then we got Jason Burmis. And I want to speak with Jason Burmis about a number of things. But chief among them, Sound of Freedom. Because I'm going to have a full review for you by next by next week when Jason Burmis is on. Um, got a screening. Got a early screening to Sound of Freedom with Jim Caviezel. And I'm saving all my thoughts for that night. So... I uh, and you know after after Jason gets off, I can talk a little bit more, and we'll take some calls. But still, uh, after Jason Burmis next week, remember June 29th, pretty interesting night over here in quite frankly history. Get to talk to George Nori for an evening. 
and then we're just into we're into July territory, which is going to be so great, so great. We're doing summer fair memories. I think we're going to be doing uh, summer fair memories and carnival memories. That's the the open thread. A lot of great feedback on that one. That'll be right after July Fourth, perhaps. We're going to be doing our music night. Best and worst concert experiences, concert regrets. That'll be coming up. We have this wonderful travel vlogger. He's more than a vlogger. He's a really just a, a cinematographer. His name is Walter Zolna. And he travels all around the United States in different different, different uh, uh, temperate zones and, and different seasons. And really just gets lost in, in these beautiful picturesque trails and hikes all around on mountains and in forests. Spring, summer, winter, doesn't matter. That's going to be great to have him in studio on July 6th to talk about, you know. Oh, this is a nice. This is nice to have come on right now, right? It's a good one. You can sing it along. Love and marriage. Love and marriage. Goes together like the horse and carriage. I tell you, brother, you can't have one without the other. It's an institute you can't disparage. But um, I, 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 we have Walter Zolna coming on, and then there's a, a lot. The Don Jeffries is coming back on. Uh, Grace, really graceful, is coming back on July 12th. Michael Collins, Wandering Wolf Productions. He was actually just referenced by um, Jimmy Corsetti, Bright Insight, about these so-called potentially megalithic structures that were found in Montana. So Michael Collins of Wandering Wolf Productions is going to be coming on and talking about just his work, what he's uh, uh, hot on the trail of, all that stuff. Um, uh, We have Diana Pasilka author of American Cosmic, coming on July 19th. Reverend William Bean, exorcist. We'll be talking about demonic possession. He's uh, made uh, quite a few trips and appearances on Coast to Coast. He'll be in studio that night, too, because he's doing a whole tour in the Northeast. That's on July 20th. Matt from Cultivate Elevate is going to be in... Well, on the show, but not in studio. He'll be on the show on July 26th. Uh, Matt, he he talks a lot about electroculture. And I can't wait because I have a lot of questions about this. I know it's getting more and more popular with people. Um, th- there will be an opportunity to talk about the 1893 World's Fair in there as well, which is going to be cool because just a, less than a week later, we'll be jumping into Devil in the White City, which primarily focuses on the 1893 World's Fair. July 27th, Lori Williams, professional remote viewer with military experience, no less. He's speaking with her. We've got a really uh, interesting guest on August 3rd. Her name is Michelle Ridley. And she uh, she's a therapist that specializes in human grief and grief. And I want to talk about grief. I have a lot of notes on that already written down. Shane and Melody from Real Appalachia coming on August 17th. That's going to be another travel and culture night, ghost towns, things like that. August 24th, Isaac Weishaupt will be talking about the occult, the media, maybe a little bit of Twin Peaks. October 5th, oh, I'm already into October. So, I mean, it's it's coming. There's more, more coming your way. 
more that has to be confirmed but yeah all with the help of a new associate producer for the show uh krista krista roman out there so thank you so much for krista she's joined the team officially over the last couple of weeks and we've been really rocking and rolling all right we're ready to go though here let's go into the grab bag first one up it's from the Titanic end of things, and we'll we have we have some video we can watch on this if we don't get around to it in the second half. Again, I'll I'll save it for Matt tomorrow because I think he'd have something to say about some of this stuff. He might even have a survival guide. You just don't know with him. Here's the headline. This is from Not the Bee. The Titan sub suffered a catastrophic implosion while visiting the Titanic. The Coast Guard says they knew. The Navy knew days ago. That's what's coming out right now. They knew days ago that the um, that this submersible, this oil, this pretty much uh, this oil keg, it just blew up. Now this one guy had he was a guest on a show in the UK. And he said that they were trying to reverse course. I don't know what to, I, they said he around 30 something hundred meters I, I I don't it was like 30 like 3,000 meters or something like that they were approximately 10,500 feet down when he said he says from his sources they're trying to reverse course now that is 2,700 feet away from the Titanic about that and what do you how they got communication I I don't know but they're saying that they had now located some of the debris from this thing, this submersible, around 1,600 feet away from the bow <clears throat> of the Titanic and other debris nearby, according to Rear Admiral John Mauger, the first Coast Guard District Commander. So um, that's it. That's it. And you know what? If that's the way it was going to go, who knows what was leading up to that moment? We're like, uh-oh, we got to get out of here. And you just couldn't do it. I guess. At least it was it was implosion, and it wasn't really sitting at the bottom of the Atlantic in total darkness with time ticking away over the course of several days, shitting, pissing all over yourself because there's only enough, uh, there's only enough water for one day, I, I believe they had. They had like one uh, one little bottle that everybody can pee in. That would have been the worst way, one of the worst ways that I can imagine to die. I mean, you're being buried alive, but it's far worse than being buried in, in a grave in a coffin. Two and a half miles under with people you don't know. Fight. The, the, think about the fighting. The fighting, the finger pointing, the freaking out. Trying to scribble your last thoughts on the on the on the uh, the inside of the pl- the thing with why with what I don't know your fingernails, it would have been uh, so terrible news. If this is all that there is to the story, and I'm just glad that there wasn't any suffering because there would not have been any suffering in that situation. But the the theories are abound. I love hearing about it. Um, now. A friend of ours, good friend of the show, Zach Voorhees, who's been on many times, he's on this kick. This is what he said. Now that the submarine is confirmed destroyed, the next step of the media will be able to say, how could we have let this happen? Well, it's, I mean, 
He said the blame will go to the regulators and the result will be enforcing an international treaty that will prevent others from going down to the Titanic and seeing how it was really destroyed. How the Titanic was really destroyed. Because Zach, like others, they they went into the alternate um, the alternate histories. They question asking, you know, what was really going on? Was it really an iceberg? I don't really think so. I don't really think so. But then again, what was it and why was it? There's plenty of Titanic. We we I mean, part of the the um, our own Titanic series that we put out on the blog. Well, the Titanic was the second part of the um, of the series. Of course, we talk about the Federal Reserve. We've also entertained the details of the Titanic and Olympic switch theory, which is a little bit more of the easier one to pick apart because that was the insurance fraud theory. And there's just too many unavoidable things with that that just doesn't shake out. Um, First of all, the Titanic was insured less than the Olympic was insured for. So to... It, it, it just wouldn't, the numbers don't work out. But the Federal Reserve theory, very, very, very strange. Very strange stuff there, too. As far as this goes, I don't, I, I, I'm more likely to believe that a theory that there was no sub at all than this theory. Because if this was just about forcing new regulations for submersibles in international waters, then what the hell do you, you I, I don't I don't know and, and all that and, and it makes more sense for that to be just a terrible mistake and they didn't go down to actually find out what really happened to the Titanic maybe it was just a sightseeing thing that was going on there but let's assume that people were putting together a submersible to go down to the Titanic to find out to investigate the real cause of the sinking there was one button in this oil drum that they went down on, one button and a PlayStation controller. You need a little bit more than that to gather structural information from parts of the hull that have been, uh, God knows how many feet below the sediment for over 110 years now. But let's say they did have all that stuff. Let's say they did have all that equipment. They went down there for that purpose and they're determined They're determined to find out, and while they're down there, they determine that there was a fire in the engine room or or there was a bomb or whatever the hell it was. It was not an iceberg. Now what? Now now what do you do with that? Are you going to write a book? Are you going to go sue the White Star Line for for negligence? Or what, what? I mean, the White Star Line went out of business before World War II. They went defunct, and they were absorbed by several other companies. Are you going to then accuse the descendants of the Jekyll Island collaborators for I, I So, I mean, who cares at this point, even if somebody goes down there and finds out what really destroyed it? What is that going? There's, it's not going to make people. People aren't going to follow you that far down the rabbit hole, and there's no way to actually link it to those who may have put in an order for that to be done. I don't know if you're going to find the, uh, the, the if you're going to make the Warburgs pay up. I don't think that's going to happen. So if this is going to be used more uh, tightly to regulate deep sea submersibles, I'd like to hear different theor- theories as to why. Deep underwater military bases, alien civilizations, uh, the, the 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 opening to the underworld. I'm I'm interested in that. Otherwise, it could just be that it's one of those things that happened. 
a balloon boy situation, which turned out to be a hoax, but it gripped everybody for a few days. You know, the world is a circus, ladies and gentlemen. We have to leave open the possibility that it's just a circus sometimes. Um, yeah, all right. So the first thing, the next thing after that is, oh, this whole thing with Elon Musk and um, and Mark Zuckerberg. Apparently, there is going to be a jujitsu match, or they're trying to drum up interest in watching these two billionaires fight each other. You think that'd actually really be a fight? Did you think that uh, Jake Paul and and um, what's his name, the boxer? Were uh, Floyd Mayweather? You thought that was really going to be a fight? No. So I, I don't know what the hell this is all about, but it, they, this, this is a meaningless distraction. No doubt about it. Elon Musk says he wants to go full-on MMA. I'm, I'm sure two billionaires are going to batter themselves into unconsciousness. Do they have what it takes to actually knock the other unconscious? That's the question to be asked. Um, another question to be asked is, would you risk your life to save a, tr a stranger in need these days? Now, it depends on what it is, uh, obviously, too. If you see somebody is dangling from a, from something and you can reach down and grab them or secure or whatever, you want to, you want to ask somebody, you want to, you know, you, you see somebody contemplating suicide and you just want to, from a safe enough distance, converse with them and try to take their minds off of what they're doing but there is this video from new york city of course the subway station there is a victim this this female victim she was slashed by another i don't know i who knows what kind of a, a pop star he was impersonating this time um slashed and just walked just a, a very casual slashing shit like that happening all the time and of course she is just trying to document this guy walking away from her going into other train cars and she's calling attention to this guy screaming to people her leg is bleeding and nobody's looking up nobody's looking at her nobody wants to get involved at all and as this was floating around uh, Twitter everybody's like oh nobody's even doing anything I said well why why would they you want to help and then go to jail you want to help and get, I mean, they're, uh, jumping in to, to, to defend somebody's life, especially in a violent situation, there's always a situation, there's always a possibility that you yourself can get shanked. You can die in some way, and many people have died trying to defend those who are weaker than them. But the real question is that if you go in there and successfully defend somebody from an attacker, what kind of risks politically are you taking into your hands now? In New York, I, I, I won't just pick on New York City at this point. Apathy has always been one of those things that you could, you're going to contend with on varying, at varying degrees in big cities. Apathy is one of those things. I mean, it's a human trait, but especially in big cities. But now people have been beaten into an impossible political predicament when it comes to life and death situations or being a good Samaritan. Um, you think about Daniel Penny, who's uh, fighting for his life now in the face of what is a r radical band of assholes in the, the New York DA's office. So you're already at a disadvantage, already at a disadvantage when you when it comes to dealing with someone who has absolutely nothing to lose. That's the first thing. 
let's say that the, the life and death situation isn't a car accident. Because even if you, you pull over to the side of the road, you see a fresh accident and you want to offer some kind of help. You have some uh, first aid training, some survival training, some uh, CPR training, whatever. The first thing you have to do is assess the situation for safety for yourself. Because if you put yourself into a, a, uh, a predicament where you can be injured, you don't help the situation at all. So you need situational awareness. That's number one. But let's talk about a violent situation where you're dealing with somebody who absolutely has nothing left to lose. These vagrants that we see on subway cars and in city streets all the time. But on the other hand, if you're a normal person, okay, if you're a normal person that has a family or children that you want to make it home to, if you have a decent job, if you own a little bit of pride, you have some property, you have some pride, you have some purpose in life, you have, and you have people that depend on you and love you, friends, family, whatever the hell it is. There's always a decision there. Will you put yourself in the way of potentially getting killed? Even if it is to save or try to save somebody else in, in the face of danger. Are you going to think twice at this point or three times about getting involved in a situation where you can help somebody in need but potentially endanger your own life and not get home to your children your family your friends the life that you have built that a purpose that you have that was the original the original question you have to ask yourself in a in a split second do i act or do i self-preserve but now you also have to ask yourself if i get out of this okay i will then have to fight the mongrels at the da's office so there's a question you can write into the show or you can call in when the lines are open would you risk not coming home to your family ever again for a random stranger especially in a violent situation okay uh that's all i have for you right now let's start this one off because we have a little bit of reading to do a little bit of news we'll be right back don't go anywhere we bring in the studio this morning one of the gay rights activists, Mr. Should I call you Mr. Pepe Julian Onzima? Thank you for coming in. Thank you for good morning. Me. Morning to you. Why are you gay? Who says I'm gay? You are gay. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's rock! Bye. 
Thank you, everybody, for being here tonight. I want to remind you all, whether you're watching the show on, I don't know, so many places to watch. But if you're, especially if you're watching on YouTube and Rumble, please get a uh, quick thumb. Can I borrow a thumb just for a second? Just click like, because that'll help me. That'll make today build momentum into tomorrow, tomorrow build momentum into the next day. Little tiny things to be seen by those who have never seen us before or haven't seen us in a while. And if you'd like to send in some super chats to contribute some thoughts of the show and also just general support, then you can go to quitefranklysuperchat.com. That is a universal super chat that everybody can contribute to and I will read in real time all the same well not in real time but I'll get to it today and if you leave it the night before I'll read it the next day so you don't have to be here listening live to contribute to the show or ask questions on the live show you see it's great technology it's a double-sided sword there's also the Rumble Rants, and there are the Gold Pills on QuiteFrankly.tv, powered by Foxhole. Also, one last announcement. Now, Foxhole has finally put another... Th- the mats over there, the founders of Foxhole, they have been so responsive, and they have added so many new features that we have requested personally. And the, the latest of those has been a mass messaging option for creators, for account owners, to be able to mass message all of their subscribers the monthly subscription option on foxhole in the chat the foxhole chat you guys have probably seen that stuff with the gold pills now because there is a mass messaging option for me to reach all the subscribers at once i can now count you all on foxhole as part of the monthly subscriber community all right that means that every time there is a sunday stream every time there is a book club or any other exclusive um, exclusive bit of streamed media that is going to be set behind a private link. I'll be able to get it out to you guys, and now you can enjoy all of the universal perks that are enjoyed by everybody else. So, thank you so much, and feel free to become monthly subscribers on Foxhole now. There's the gold and the diamond and the bronze and the silver and all that stuff. All right. Let's get into the one, some of the bigger news of the day, though. I don't know. Uh, you might say there's something else going on, and there probably is. It's a big world, and it's a circus. This is from Zero Hedge. IRS whistleblowers release new bombshell evidence against the Bidens, the DOJ, and Attorney General Garland. So good to see whistleblowers coming forward. Good to see a couple. Nice to see that there's still a a pulse. Several bombshells dropped by two IRS whistleblowers on Thursday reveal, among other things, that Joe Biden's DOJ buried evidence of Hunter Biden's tax crimes and stopped U.S. Attorney David Weiss from bringing charges against Hunter in two different jurisdictions last year. According to Representative Jason Smith of Missouri, Weiss sought to be appointed a special counsel in case la- uh, in the case last year, but was denied as well. What's more, the IRS sought felony charges against Hunter. They send their recommendations to the Biden DOJ, and they came out as and they came out as two misdemeanors. Byron York tweets. He said this. Newly released transcripts show that the IRS wanted felony charges against Hunter Biden, but their recommendations went to the DOJ and came out as two misdemeanors. 
You got two whistleblowers on this. According to the whistleblowers, one of them whom is Gary Shipley, who came forward weeks ago to reveal his identity, the IRS was notified of potential evidence, quote, in the guest house of former Vice President Biden, end quote, but were rebuffed by U.S. Attorney Leslie Wolf, who said that there was, quote, no way, end quote, as a search warrant would ever get approved. No way a search warrant would ever get approved. Oh, raid Mar-a-Lago? Sure. Sure, sure, let's do it. Quote, whistleblowers describe how the D, uh, the Biden DOJ intervened and overstepped in a campaign to protect the son of Joe Biden by delaying, divulging, and denying any ongoing investigation into Hunter Biden's alleged tax crimes, said Smith in a statement. Quote, the testimony shows tactics used by the DOJ to delay the investigation long enough to reach the statute of limitations, evidence they divulged sensitive actions by the investigative team to Biden's attorneys and denied requests by the U.S. attorney to bring charges against Biden. During seven hours of testimony before the Ways and Means Committee, Shipley and other whistleblower testimony, uh, the other whistleblower's testimony, implicates both A.G. Merrick Garland, who is a sock puppet of a weasel. Sock puppet, quizzling, spineless little slug. He's such a pathetic little freak. Hate his face and his voice, his gentle voice, freak. A.G. Merrick Garland and IRS Commissioner Daniel Werfel for lying to Congress about political interference in the Biden probe. Here's another quote. Whistleblower one story was corroborated by two, said uh, Kevin Hearn of Oklahoma. One individual came forward and laid out the full case of what's going on. The second individual, through his attorney, asked ways and means to contact him and asked uh, ask uh, for testimony. So we didn't seek these. They sought us, said Representative Greg Murphy of North Carolina. As Technofog notes via the reactionary, quote, well, this is an excerpt, not necessarily a quote. With the rejection from the D.C. U.S. Attorney, the team sought the approval to bring tax charges for years 2016 to 19 in the Central District of California. Shapley continued that the Central District of California declined to allow charges to be brought there. The rejection to bring charges in D.C. and California stand in stark contrast to the testimony of Attorney General Garland, who in March of 2023 stated that the U.S. Attorney Weiss had the full authority to, quote, bring cases in other jurisdictions, end quote. Garland also said that he personally would ensure that Weiss would, quote, carry out his investigation and that he would be able to run it, end quote. Both those statements now appear to be false. Your humble author thinks the Republicans knew Garland was making uh, misrepresentations at the time. Uh, preferential treatment of Hunter Biden may be an understatement. In reality, it was sabotage, the affirmative effort to decline investigative steps and deny prosecutors the ability to bring charges. The DOJ conduct included, quote, included slow walking investigative steps, not allowing enforcement actions to be executed, limiting investigators line of questioning for witnesses, misleading investigators on charging authority, delaying any and all actions months before elections, end quote. Prosecutors even wanted to remove Hunter Biden's name 
from the electronic search warrants and document requests, even though this could cause investigators to not get certain evidence. And Joe Biden was in the room. In another piece of evidence uh, presented on Thursday, Hunter Biden can be seen in a message to Chinese business associate Henry Zhao demanding that they send money as promised. Quote, here's a quote from the uh, text. I'm sitting here with my father, and we would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. Wrote Hunter via WhatsApp on July 30th, 2017. This is while this is while remember remember what we were all doing July thirtieth two thousand seventeen as it pertains to following the headlines and wondering where we were going next. Think about this. Think about it. and remember Joe Biden was the one who suggested things like the Logan Act being something that could be twisted into a pretzel and thrown at people like General Flynn. And by July of 2017, the Russia investigation, the special counsel was already appointed. The entire thing that would stretch out for three years still, two and a half years still. And there he is sitting with his son, tapping a Chinese businessman on the shoulder, asking where their money is. And we're all being served up only the opening salvo of the fakest investigation ever. An investigation that the investigation into the investigation just concluded with Durham and they didn't even they didn't even investigate the people who were at the center of it they didn't even I, no subpoenas no invest uh, no uh, um not interrogations but no interviews no nothing just incredible isn't it it's good just to remind yourself where we live and what the reality of things is Um, I'm sitting here with my father. We would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. Tell the director that I would like to resolve this now before it gets out of hand. Uh, uh, And now means tonight. Whoa. Man, he is, he's fierce, that Hunter. He must have been hopped up on something. Hunter then warned that, quote, if I get a call or text from anyone involved in this other than you, Zhang, or the chairman, I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows and my ability to forever hold a grudge, that you will regret not following my direction. I am sitting here waiting for the call with my father. This is just fucking incredible. It's just incredible. The fact that this is only, this was, and remember, this is only fine focused on taxes, Obviously, the IRS is involved. This is fine focused on taxes. There is so much more. There's so much more wrong with this than just not reporting some income, you know? Wow. Ja, wow. Um, I have never spoken to my son about his overseas dealings, Joe Biden in 2019 said. They got all the flashbacks in here, too. Hans uh, Mank, uh, Mank, Mankey said there's no way a search warrant for evidence would ever get approved. That's called de- Democrat privilege there. And then back to the embargo on the Hunter Biden laptop story. Stephen Miller. Stephen Miller threw this out there. 
The FBI had the laptop in October of 2019. It was verified in November of that same year. In October 2020, Twitter blocked any sharing of the New York Post story. Biden called it a smear orchestrated by Russia. Biden's name appears here. It was not only Biden. Biden only said that because the the larger intelligence community, which is on the take, that is anti-American, that is anti-human, was backing him up. And that's the big point here. Rich Barris said this. It's bad, and he'll be on the show on Monday, so we can talk to him about this, among, among other things. It's bad, and this is just a few details from one whistleblower, from one department. We're not a democratic system. We are a very corrupt, cartel, uh, cartelized system in which permanent government now thinks that they can and should decide who even can run and serve as our elected leaders. Well, they're not elected leaders. That's the whole thing. That's the whole thing. That's the whole point here. They're not elected leaders. They're company representatives. One way or another, it's all over after this election. It'll either change or become permanent, and it's a wrap for voter sovereignty, self-governance, and even liberty itself. I wouldn't go that crazy. I wouldn't go that crazy, Rich, only because you've got to compartmentalize what is at our fingertips here. You are true in saying that it is a terminal condition that we have in Washington, D.C. It will never go right. It'll never go right. Um, and when I say right, I mean correct. But, um, but that doesn't mean that people still cannot muster the, the fortitude to do things locally and to make their state governments so based that they have the the ways and the means to say, go to hell, D.C., invade us if you want. We don't want your highway money anymore, and we don't want anything to do with anything. that We're, we're done. We're done. That's it. Line item veto on everything. We're not sending you any of our, our money staying in state, and that's what we're doing from here on in. You don't represent us. You don't even represent mankind. You have no interest in promoting healthy mankind. Now, here's a little something... There is a uh, this guy, Kodak Black. He's a rapper. One Henry Rogers says Kodak Black's lawyer reacts to the Hunter Biden news. The news about him only getting a couple of misdemeanors and being able to defer a gun charge, all that stuff. He says that Kodak Black was charged with the same crime. Same crime and had to serve three years in jail for it. Now, here's where the irony just gets thick, thick like a smoothie. I see this one uh, one person who is, you know, mimicked by many others, could be a, a real person, could be a bot, but we know that most people act like bots these days anyway. Misanthrope says, at least get your facts straight about Kodak Black, who has an extensive criminal history while Hunter does not. Kodak was arrested for assault, robbery, kidnapping, false imprisonment, driving with a suspended license, and possession of marijuana. 2016, arrested for sexual battery, weapons possession, criminal misconduct. And do you know how many times that it's been, we have not been allowed to bring up anything like this? I mean, it's incredible. It's not to say that Kodak Black did not deserve the years in prison that he got. It's just the implication that, A, Hunter isn't a career criminal. That's number one. He is a career criminal. That's the whole point here. That is the whole point. 
And and I'm glad it's it's uh, it's suddenly acceptable to use criminal records to assess a person's character. Because I mean that we we usually aren't allowed to do that when people are ripping ripping apart cities for these types of characters. So that's the um, that's just incredible there. But you see, Hunter does have an extensive criminal history. That is the entire point of these revelations and the entire point of what has been done for him. People like him just never have to pay the piper. He's a career criminal whose name has kept him safe and insulated. The reason why Joe Biden is able to say it's Russian disinformation is because he is insulated inside of a much larger scam machine that allows people like him to exist. He's not a mastermind. He's a, he's a, he, I, I mean, he, he's, he's pathetic. His whole family's pathetic. On the other hand, that's what gives Anthony Fauci the ability to stand before televisions, lie. That's what gives him the confidence to stand, to, to sit before House and Senate committees and lie and grandstand and yell back at people knowing that uh, even if he fumbles and he says something he shouldn't supposed to, he's not supposed to say, he is protected. This is the network. It is, a, it is a network of career criminals, but they have completely consumed the judicial system. They've consumed the legislative branch as well. They, they've consumed everything. Everything that you w- could have read about the dons of the past La Cosa Nostra, everything you could have read about them being able to buy influence with local politicians, with the police forces, with the judges, all that stuff. You have to, I, that's it. That's all you have to say. All you have to see here. You can even go to James O'Keefe's latest with the BlackRock guy that they exposed. Didn't break new ground, but it's just really interesting to hear somebody say, you got $10,000, you can buy yourself a senator. That's it. There are no presidents. So it's um, really, really interesting here. I mean, Representative uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene took that Kodak Black tweet out and uh, retweeted it. It said, unfortunately, Kodak's daddy was not president. And he's not white, she said. Well, I mean, I guess that's just a little bit of poking the bear because there is a, it, it's incredible to see the all the rules that go right out the window when it comes to talking about people and their 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 criminal records when they are uh, not white. Now that goes out the window because they everybody feels compelled to to uh, defend the very lily white Biden criminal cartel. Well, I mean their chapter in the overall fraternity. They are not at the top of anything. They are bottom feeders, but still. Too intimately connected. Too intimately connected. If they can be lopped off, if they can be isolated, they would have been by now. But obviously, taking them down would take too many others down. And that is just something that they want to be able to swim through if they can. So let's take a really quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about, I want to take some of your calls. And I want to ask you, have you been seeing any strange military activity in your neck of the woods lately? Because that's happening again. I feel like it happens once every year and a half, and people say, what the hell's going on? And then we don't hear about anything. But it's happening now. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Hey, girl. Have you heard of Superbia Credit Union? 
Superbia Credit Union, it pays to be gay. Come inside. Make a deposit. Because at Superbia, you can make a transaction and get some transaction. What are you waiting for? Superbia Credit Union. We're homosexuals. message board go to quite frankly.tv and enter the forum engage with official show topic threads or start your own thread get signed up it's that easy and it's not reddit so don't sweat it for the forum and then so much more it's quite frankly.tv yeehaw still look forward to working with you john i mean that you want a coffee So the number to call in is 914-200-0269. What do you think about all this? You can tell me about that. You can uh, answer the question in the beginning of the show about, oh, you can give me a Titanic theory. You want to take a theory, leave a theory, like one of those take a penny, leave a penny things. You can also tell me if you would ever risk your life or risk uh, not being able to come home to your family at this point to save uh, or to intervene in uh in in some way i don't know especially in certain parts of the country there's that but also just more revelations revelations which are just reminders at this point you can give us new details that we never knew before would we be shocked to the depths of how rigged everything is would be we we be shocked 
to the to the remind to be reminded that we are actually we're forced to to pay for this every last one of those people every last one of those people who ignored evidence who stifled things who hid things who knew exactly what they were doing to run interference for the higher ups up the food chain every last one of those people are paid salaries based on you and I who actually have jobs who put a lot of time into whatever the hell we do whether we're swinging hammers in a quarry whether we're writing radio shows whether we're I mean whatever the hell it is we have we have put our time our blood our sweat our tears into it and they just hold out their hand and 40% of our years labor goes so that these people can just be worthless twats worthless all them worthless worthless vampiric twats i hate it i hate it that's the thing that gets me really mad every time i see these these headlines because it doesn't surprise me i just hate being reminded what i'm busting my ass for 208 you're on the air who's this this is mark hey mark what's going on well, I thought I'd chime in. I got a uh, interesting anecdote from a book I read uh, okay. years ago. It was written by Sam Giancana's little brother. Oh, okay. And and one of the grandparents. So, in Al Capone's day, booze, prostitution, and protection were the rackets. Sam was in jail for murder at twenty-one. While while there, he met a guy that taught him the numbers. So he got out of jail and he created the numbers in Chicago, took over Chicago, started the intercontinental wire and really wired up the country for the numbers. Got so profitable, the government took it over and they call it the lottery. Well, I, I mean, there's other. I, that I can I can see how that would that would be the case. I'm I'm pretty sure that there is plenty of rackets out there that have been taken over by the government because of. I mean, I, what do you think the drug trade is? I mean, there's there, there nobody out there is is selling drugs in a meaningful way without the government without the CIA's permission. That's we can talk about that. Uh, then again, the first lottery was started by uh, you know started under the the Washington administration. So there there are non non uh, you know uh, organized crime uh, versions of the lottery out there. But that's a very very interesting one. Very interesting one, especially in a modern sense. I wouldn't be surprised. Hey, how many times have we talked about the ridiculousness of the lottery now? Uh, th- there's just something very, very strange about the whole damn thing. And that's another one. You know, they, they, they get up. They get up to into the billions now, all these these Powerball jackpots, these uh, uh, whatever the hell it is. These jackpots get up into the billions now. And you, you, when you calculate how much is taken away in taxes right there, if you go and take the lump sum... It's just, that's just easy money. That's easy money. And, and all of that is driven by people's growing sense of desperation that they want, they just at least want to make, make sure that they have a chance at hitting, catching lightning in a bottle and getting out of the rat race. You know, that's just, that's, it's, it's sad. It, it's exciting, but it's sad at the same time. Well, it has ever been thus, you know. And, uh, and what the government takes 
is what the mob used to take. They called it the VIG on this whole thing. So it was their cut. So it's just so interesting. All There are many vectors through which the population has been accessed, you might say. That's a polite term. Um, but I just found that one fascinating because when these things get really good, like drugs, like prostitution, like child and human trafficking, they take them over. The government takes it over. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, it, that's becoming more and more apparent. What's the name of that book, if you if you don't mind me asking? I don't. Um, let me see. I think it was titled, darn, Our Story. But Jim, Gene Connor was the little brother, and and it was by one of the grandparents. So those two family members were doing a mea culpa, really. Oh yeah. So, well, the Gene Connor. I don't remember the exact title, but it's all right. It's been our story. If you like if you find I, it, I am sure it was uh, Jim and one of the grandparents as co-authors. Well, if you find it, my friend, thank you so much for the call. If you find it, please email me. That sounds. I have a, a quite a few of those those books that I have to read. I can't wait to get them out of the boxes and onto shelves, and I'm just going to go nuts with the reading um, on the five families and a few other things that I want to incorporate into the show and always comes up with good good ideas for not only topics but guests. But the Giancarnas, I mean, they, they're, you want to talk about Kennedy assassination. Couldn't happen without them. Everybody had a little bit to pitch in with there. All right, let's take some more calls. 914-200-0269. Oh, before, let me put this out here. This is from James Howard Kunstler, because I'm sure there's a few of you out there that would want to comment on this over the course of the next, I don't know, 30 minutes, because we're going to stay on until about 8.20 p.m. Have to do our badass then, and then we have to go uh, take a break for a book club. So here's a little bit more. It's called Strange Days. Strange doings at the strange time in a strange land. Videos of widespread military vehicles, vehicle maneuvers around our nation popped up on the web at mid-weekend while the American citizenry went about its holiday weekend business, including Father's Day, uh, <laughs> Father's Day revels, and Juneteenth celebration mass shootings. <laughs> James Howard Kunzler is, is hilarious. He cuts right to the point. And he's hilarious. Ever since I found his his uh, articles, I have just fallen in love with them. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Scenes of armored personnel carriers rolling down Walnut Street in downtown Philly. B-2 bomber wings over Minnesota. Tank columns galumphing along an Idaho highway, uh, leading to widespread suspicions that something untoward is up. Darned if I know what it is. Many of you have, have sent these pictures into me. And over here, we've had Ospreys flying overhead. I haven't seen any, you know, trains, cargo trains of, of tanks and stuff like that. But we've had the Ospreys and other military vehicles. Then again, there's been a lot of that lately just because Joe Biden has come to town like twice in the last two months. Landing at uh, Westchester Airport, creating all this traffic because he's raising money in Greenwich. Among things one can know, 
the Joe Biden presidency is whirling around the uh, whirling around the drain in plain sight, and with it likely the globalist hopes and dreams of making everybody eat bugs while they take away everything you own. Last week, audio tapes surfaced of the main parties in the Ukraine grift, Biden and Poroshenko, working things out in 2016 over the phone in JB's final days as vice president. Meanwhile, the House Oversight Committee has gotten its mitts on Biden family bank accounts galore, detailing the Alt, uh, the Alp, uh, the abstruse money laundering activities that were run through obscure European banks and innumerable, innumerable Biden shell companies. Well, son of a bitch. It's getting hard for Democrats to ignore the accumulating evidence of the Biden family's global grift operation and JB's obvious advancing mental deterioration provoking moves that should lead to his ejection from office. Last week, their captive mainstream news media broadcast a cavalcade of embarrassing public idiocies committed by the commander-in-chief, declaring God save the queen, incongruously, at the end of a gun safety summit in Connecticut. Yeah, why? What the hell is that all about? Groping actress Eva uh, uh, Eva Longoria's boobs. You saw that one. She just uh, she played it off. Anybody else would have gotten a slap in the face after White House movie screening, cracking a weird joke about Philadelphia girl in his bed. Dr. Jill Biden, I guess, being introduced at an I-95 bridge collapse event by a brain damaged Pennsylvania senator, John Fetterman, who tossed up a word salad about federal delegation aiming to fix infructure while dressed up looking like Uncle Fester out of the Adams Family. The indignity of it all was really something to behold. It continues on from there. But, um, and, and Kunstler is wonderful. I would love to get him on the show one day. But have you seen uh, these, these military vehicles maneuvering around your neighborhood or in the skies above you? Let's take some more calls. 914-200-0269. Comment on whatever the hell you want. That's uh, 910. You're on the air. No speakerphone, please. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Who's this? This is Brian Marr. I'm down in North Carolina. Dude, you are fantastic. I really appreciate you. You're very young, very intelligent, and I love listening to you because I love what you do. Well, let me ask you, Brian, where are you from originally? I'm from my, where you're from, brother. I used to work in Brooklyn. I'm from Long Island. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I know. <laughs> I missed you when you come down here with your family to uh, Myrtle Beach, and I was like, God, I wish I would have known about that. My wife and I, we would have went, like, we would have came to you to take you out to dinner, whatever. We would have, like, Whatever we would like, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. <laughs> now I'm I'm sure it'll happen someday, man. You know what? I see a lot of really really awesome shows that are able to uh, very efficiently put together little meetups around the country here and there and, and have fun with people. I'm sure one day we'll we'll be able to uh, share a drink. All right, dude, listen, listen, listen. Yeah. I, I got to tell you a couple of things, right? I'm I'm 64 years old. I'm a retired nurse. I had an accident in Queens like 12 years ago. We're just coming to the table to settle it now. And it's like, they're tearing me up. What were your taxes filed? What were, I'm not gonna lie, I have some bad things on paper, but in reality, I was like one of the best damn nurses and I have a lot of patients that would attest to it. But that's not my problem. My problem is, what are your taxes? 
um, what is your criminal history? What is your character? And I'm looking at this guy who's obviously Hunter, you know, committed multiple crimes. His father's a bigger criminal. I'm laying in bed here. I'm sorry if I don't sound correct in any No, way. no, you sound fine. Uh, I can't even... I can't even believe I got through. Anyway, um, I'm all over the map in my mind on the things that I would like to tell you. But uh, I think that you were. I hey, listen, like- I think that you were on really on 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 a great track right there. To just comparing the 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 loop the hoops. Average that, Joe, yeah. average citizen, yeah. The hoops that we got to sit, that we got to jump through. The the hoops of fire. Yeah, I got, like, the greatest Jewish-Italian. Uh, forgive me, Lord, but you know what? The Jews and the Italians in New York are the best lawyers. I, it's just the way it is. I have some of the best lawyers in the business. I've been working on this case, an accident case that changed my life for 12 years now. And now it's coming down to it. An insurance company actually said, okay, well, we're, you know, well, we're not sure we want to pay. And it's like, what? We already won the case. They're just trying to determine the money I'm supposed to get. But I don't want to talk about me. I want to talk about you, your family, your beautiful little daughter, your wife, and the things that you're trying to accomplish. And it's so sad. It saddens me. And I got to tell you right now, I don't want to turn any turn off any of your listeners. But the bottom line is, and I know in your heart you know this, and you, you profess it, but not too much but the bottom line is you turn away from god and everything else goes wrong and that's the problem even i love history i'm a history buff the founding fathers said this is the best experiment this document is making the best country that could ever be and like ben franklin said if you could hold on to it like uh samuel uh not samuel adams that's beer <laughs> john adams said it, it's the problem is this document does not work if we don't have morality. I'm a little older than you. My father fought in World War II, and the people back then were just like so happy to shake your hand and do the right thing. Today, these evil, I mean, Hollywood, government, I'm sorry to say this, Vatican, Washington, everything, they don't care. They will lie. They will not tell the truth just to get the power, the money, the sex, the drugs, whatever it is they want. And it's, it's disgusting. I was a liberal, and I was part of that whole scene in New York. I was a hippie, peace and love, the 60s, 70s, blah, blah, blah. And now I'm older, and I'm conservative, and I'm not a Republican because, you know what? My God says if you go against Democrats or you go against Republicans, you're going against some of God's children. And like I said, I'm not trying to preach. I'm just saying I'm a lot deeper than that with the few seconds that I have on the air with you. Why? Well, and I'm I, sorry. No, 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 no. I, th- I, th- I think that you, you, sh- you struck quite a few chords that if I know this audience at all are probably nodding in, uh, nodding in agreement with a lot of what you just said. And, and it doesn't have to be the only couple of seconds we have together my friend you just keep calling in like you did and 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 if you don't get through email the show and i this was a wonderful contribution thank you so much for it well thank you for having me and you know what i'm technologically defunct so i'm lucky i even got through tonight but thank you my friend and keep keep the good work and keep doing what you're doing brother all right take care be well paisan there you go he's out there in north carolina but i i heard a brother (laughs) I know a brother when I hear one.
Yeah, uh, that, that reminds me of something. I saw the, uh, uh, there was a, uh, I don't know who the hell shared it, Twitter today. I think it popped up in the Gilded. And we have so much fun on that Gilded chat. Um, it was, let me see what it is. Oh, here you go, yeah. It was on the Steve Deese show or something. It was on Blaze TV. And he was talking about how it's time for true patriots to leave the blue state hellhole that you're subsidizing. And, uh, you know, it, it, that it's not, uh, it's not, you know, surrender, it's a strategic retreat or whatever the hell it is. And I get that. On, I get that. I know where I live right now. I understand it. People say it all the time. And you're preaching to the choir. I, I know what I'd like to do. And um, I'm just pacing myself. But the reality of this is if I'm going to assess what I give to the state of New York to be wasted in whatever way that they those those nut jobs in Albany do business. If I compare that to what follows me from one state to the next with with the the monstrosity that has been established in DC with these federal income taxes, there is no state in the union where I can escape paying federal income taxes and that is what is truly subsidizing the monster. The monster the monster that has its talons in both blue and red states. Anybody out there in a deep red state, in a garnet red state, who has spent any time really looking into what in-state is, is running its hospitals and is running its schools, it, it, I mean, it's a lot of the same thing. You, you probably, you, you're probably a little bit better off than I am over here. But when that money comes from on high, from D.C., for one reason or another, if this is money that has to be those, those block grants, it, you can have a wonderful political culture. But if institutions are, ca- and, and that's really how it is, institutions that are captured by the mind virus and the grift in D.C., those can be inside of a garnet red state. And the real, the real issue is that you cannot escape paying that, that lunacy. You know, blue states, I don't care how blue they are, they will get very fiscally conservative real quick, real quick if those block, block grants dry up. They may not like it. They may kick and scream. But they'll know when the gravy train stops showing up, <laughs> what are they going to do? So that's the real thing. You want to talk about uh, strategy and all that stuff? I'll, I mean, I'd be the first one to to jump out of a uh, to jump out of uh, New York if one state said, "Oh, by the way, not only oh, yeah, we have a, a small state income tax here, but we are also going to protect you from the feds. The feds are not allowed, and you're not paying federal income tax anymore." Oh, I would love that. Come to. Uh, Arkansas, we are staging a statewide t- tax rebellion, and we are going to protect you from the feds. Wow. Lauren, I think we're going to Arkansas, because it doesn't really matter. That's the real thing that kills me, is the federal income tax. But uh, you pay it, because you want to stay out of jail. God bless America. All right, let's go. 914 200 0269. We got the theories on the military vehicles. We got the theories on well, whatever you want to say about this 
the IRS whistleblowers. There's much more. 502, you're on the air. Who's this? Hey, what's up, man? It's Mason in Kentucky. How oh, well, good to hear from you again, Mason. What's going on? Oh, not much. So I was calling on the uh, troops um, and the troop movement. Yeah, what is that um, about? I've called in a, yeah, yeah, I've called a few times in before. I could not tell you what it's about, obviously, but I did want to provide perspective. I was a, uh, I was a Abrams crewman, uh, so I served on a tank in Abrams, which is like, you know, the main battle tank of the U.S. Army, um, driver and gunner for a while. And um, I saw a lot of people saying, oh, this is troop movement, this is... Um, field training they do not drive those on the highway that that does not happen secondarily in the uh, video that everyone's sharing those are not they're uh paladins um which are actually um artillery they're like uh mobile ar- artillery they kind of look like a tank but you, you notice they have a higher profile mm-hmm. um and they're so it's even weirder that artillery would be moving or like moving around because uh I mean, tanks are there for show of force because they can engage, like, straight away. But artillery's for, like, just destroying random things. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, we, anytime we moved the tank, um, it, first of all, it chews up asphalt. chews up because it weighs, like, 88 tons with a combat load. And um, so I, I, I would drive them on uh, trucks a lot when we'd move them out to the field. And basically, like, every base, uh, where the tanks are has a gigantic, like several hundred acre uh, training area where they're out. That's where they train. Well, they so, then, train, so then, like, so then, so then, Mason, to, to to get back to the original uh, question here is as far as domestic movement of this equipment in such widely visible ways that it happens. It, it seems to happen from coast to coast in a very short amount of time every so often. What would what would be a benign explanation for that? Um, probably the most benign explanation I could give it would be, do you remember the Rex 84 or whatever thing they were talking about years ago? Alex Jones covered it. Um, it was like a training thing they did in Texas where oh, they were yeah. basically doing like a uh, simulation on like putting down um, like insurgency inside the U.S., but it's a gigantic training but even then, I don't think they ever moved tanks on hardballs or roads. Yeah, that's, and, no, that's and nobody's really ever odd. nobody's ever talking about uh, nobody's ever reporting uh, about uh, you know uh, urban and suburban combat maneuvers yeah. going on. Nobody yeah. ever talks about how it's being implemented. It's just that it's being moved. But so, uh, thank you for a little bit of that insight and that personal experience, Mason. It's good to hear from you again. Yeah, man, they, I'm telling you, they, like, we, even at Fort Knox, they had a facility that they built out in the middle of nowhere, you can look it up, called Zussman, and I was there, played Op 4, they would bring Delta, Rangers, all kinds of guys out there. They built a city in the middle of nowhere specifically to train, so they do not go to actual major cities to train. That is, like, does not happen. The only thing I've ever even seen, you remember years ago, the Red Pill reported, that, that, was, that was something real. But well, this I don't know. It could be, but anyway, okay. I'll let you go. Thanks. Well, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's not like those. Uh, it's not like those instances that we were talking about. And man, when were the the Black Hawk helicopters doing some kind of an urban extraction drill in Los Angeles? When was that? I feel like that was like fall of I don't know. Was that 2017, 2018? Oh, what? Ex- 
the times, the exciting times. We're like, what was this all about? Things got um, really exciting for a while. Maybe we were just swatting at ghosts. Maybe it was all just shadows and dust. Or maybe it wasn't. And perhaps things are just as exciting, but um, because all of our our theories as to how they were going to turn out in short working order did not turn out to be the case, we just went back to thinking that the world was dull and hopeless. I don't know. Definitely not hopeless, but it does feel a little bit more dull, you know, compared to what we were doing what we were breaking down, what we were reading into and theorizing about in 2017, 2018. Yeah. All right. Let's take another call. Uh, nah, you know, let's take a really quick intermission. Then we come back. We'll take a couple more calls. Then our badass. Because it's 808. We have a good flow. Don't go anywhere. It's intermission time, folks. Time out to press the like button. Thank you. Please We'll, we'll be right back. Yeah, intermission. Quite frankly. 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 Quite frank
The Sentinel sent a tip, said, Hey, Frank, great show. You asked about strange military movements, and I saw the vids that you had on earlier. It's an annual training time for the National Guard. Pennsylvania is doing an exercise. I don't know what the purpose is this year. All right. All right, good enough. Good enough. Benign enough. Um, like I said, I haven't seen any of those heavy vehicles, armored vehicles or things like that around here, but we have had the Ospreys flying above. Uper Viking says, Hi Frank, I am nominating my mom for badass on June 25th. It's my birthday, and 51 years ago on that day, she gave birth to a 10-pound baby girl. I've been a pain in the ass ever since, and yet she still claims me. My mom, the original shield maiden. Thanks. Wow. Wow. Congratulations. That sounds like one hell of a mom. So, uh, wonderful. Thank you, Youper. And hats off to Viking Mom. There you go. Big boobs, too. Remember that one? That was one of her, her other ones. We were talking about uh, boob sizes around the world. She said the Vikings got those double Ds. <laughs> All right, let's see. Into the rumble. J-Dog says, love the show. Have to watch in the morning after work. I have to make sure everyone gets their mouse ears. What does that mean? Fred Awakening says, Poso says Wall Street Journal is reporting that the Navy knew about the Titan sub implosion on Monday, on Sunday, but Biden held the news until today's whistleblower testimony on Hunter. That makes sense. That makes sense. That makes uh, perfect sense. Because I, I, I had read that, that they had known this for days that we were given. And there you go. Now, there you go. You give the world a death clock. We had a death clock for the last three and a half days, wondering, wondering, what can be done? Can they be located? Can they be brought up? There's only 40 hours left. There's only 20 hours left. They've been dead. They were dead the whole time. And the Navy knew it. J-Dog says, hey, Frank, can you say hi to my buddy Larry? He and I have worked together for 25 years. J-Dog and Larry hanging out for 25 years. Hopefully you've been getting some work done. Larry, hope you're well, man. If this is the first time hanging with us, I hope it's not your last. Uh, J-Semo says, you're kicking ass, Frank. We can't trust anyone else. In what regard? I think other people are, are, are very worthy of trust. He just, we can't be too sensitive about being on the, the wrong, uh, you know, not, not uh, being not on the same page about something. A lot, that's the thing that I see a, a lot of our, uh, a lot of, I hate saying our side. That's a big mistake that a lot of people make. You have, an, you have a disagreement about on how you see something playing out. You have a disagreement on how you, I don't know, I don't know, you just have a disagreement. Opinions clash about maybe one issue, and all of a sudden it's, that's it, I'm out, this person's a shill. Or they can't be trusted, or anything like that. 
when in reality there's probably just a lot of people out there you can probably have a really you know good relationship with and just don't agree on certain things so i wouldn't throw all trust out the window for everybody else you just gotta what did hemingway say the best way to know if you can trust somebody is to trust them see what they do with your trust um let's see here uh let's see let's see on the gold pill side of things we're running out of time now this is how it happens in the second half second half is lightning fast on gold pills we have sean joe cave toad says keep up the great work frank hope the titanic tie in theory gets brought up tomorrow yeah well i want to i want to i still want to play some of these videos because you know there's the back especially the second video i wanted to talk about because there's the backdrop of the race against time submarine in peril story that we were we were sifting through and dealing with this whole week there's the backdrop of that but otherwise the testimony this one guy gave about the realities of being so far underwater and what it's like and how you get tested mentally and every, every i think it's still really interesting to listen to i think it'd be good for at least a, a portion of a friday night episode and i know matt would like it too because he got he's i think he's got some uh claustrophobia issues maybe not i don't know he goes into a lot of crawl spaces matt has other issues maybe claustrophobia is not one of them because what he does for his job the crawl spaces the attics all that stuff uh secret weapon says thanks frank thank you secret weapon thank you all cave toad says oh my god a forum promotion thank you for oh i'm happy no there's there's other break videos that we got coming up but i said listen i told to uh told cody and and abe we need a break commercial we need a commercial advertising the forum it is too important to get people using the forum often thank you stostube for the sleeve of cookies Stostube again brings an EMP to the table, leveling us all. I hear you. How about this? I consolidated the cookies into the cookie jar, and thanks for, to Cave Toad, we support the show even a little bit more now. Man, Stostube, thank you so much. Rise Attire says, times are very exciting still. New Durham emails with Barr proved he's not only uh, the only game in town, there's another. Oh, Leia. Kay Landry says, will you please tell my son, Ethan, happy birthday. He's seven. He's the one that called Aurora on her birthday, the first birthday. I remember that. I remember that. Yes, he was five at the time. I said, watch out there. What, what, are, what are your intentions, Ethan? But Ethan, I hope that you have an awesome seventh birthday. Seven is a great age. Eight is a great age as well. In fact, you have many great years ahead of you. Enjoy tonight, Ethan, and I hope I get a call from you one day again. It'd be great to hear you. Last time I heard you, you sound like a little kid. Now you get a call and go, Hi, Frank, it's Ethan. Yes, it's been a few years since we've spoken. By the way, wish Aurora happy birthday for me. Oh, man, what has happened to Ethan? Such a short amount of time. So strange. 
Hello Kitty says, hi Frank, just wanted to give you an update on the shenanigans in Georgia. Governor Kemp wants Georgia to be the electric car capital of the world. He also wants to enact mandatory digital ID and they're keeping Dominion machines until 2024 or after. Of course they are. Kemp is part of it. Kemp is part of it. Um, all right. Here's another little thing. 818. Let me let me throw the few things out here. Here's RFK on Peter Hotez and the Kennedy Jr. debate idea. This is interesting. He's on with Dell Bigtree talking about why they don't want to debate. Um, listen to this. So you don't think he'll ever show up for this debate, even though we're pushing $3 million to any nonprofit he wants to give it to? You don't think he'll show up? No, I do not think he will debate. I don't think that he can survive a debate. I don't, I don't think he can survive facts, the facts. And, I, and it's not telling that I'm a good debater. It's just that I do know the facts and I can cite the sources and I also know any sources that he's going to cite. I know, you know, I have domain knowledge of this because I've been studying and I'm litigating it for so long. Uh, and I think that, you know, he is the, I, you know, years ago, I had about a 10 hour discussion on telephone, on my telephone, and many, many phone calls over several months with Hotez, with a, with a referee. Um, and it was supposed to be a prelude to a public debate. But in the end, he said, well, that he would like to debate, but that NIH was ordering him not to debate. I don't know if that's true or not. The weird thing was he wasn't even working for NIH. But I, by NIH, maybe he meant Anthony Fauci or Francis Collins. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. These are the people who should not be questioned. They should not be questioned. They also uh, should never be told to defend their positions. They just need to be obeyed. Here's another weird one. Uh, Ted Cruz, he was, um, let's see here, Human Rights Council President Kelly Robinson had showed up for this uh, swimmer, uh, Riley Gaines, about women's sports, men in women's sports. Uh, Riley Gaines is very well-spoken. She does well for herself. And um, Ted Cruz was talking to her for some time. And then and then he turns away from Ro- Riley, who was talking about her uh, competing as a swimmer and how uh, it was pretty much told to her that even if she ties men pretending to be women, the men, they need to go home with the trophy. They need to be the ones that are photographed with the trophy, that there is an obvious uh, concerted effort here to destroy the sexes to, to destroy whatever is left of our tethering to reality. We have no, there's no, like I said, there's, we're, it's a post-political world. There's nothing to talk about there. That's gone. Now we're just digging into each other's pants to see what we can screw up there. So then he turns his attention away from Riley Gaines and he asks this woman, Kelly Johnson, uh, Kelly Johnson, who's representing HRC, I think that's Human Rights Council, right? Human Rights Campaign President. Listen to this. Like success, not to mention height. Um, you guys know the differences. Ms. Robinson, do you agree with Ms. Gaines that there's a difference? Kelly Robinson, sorry. Do you agree? With, now, she, he's, a, he's addressing her right now. Ms. Robinson, do you agree with Ms. Gaines that there's a difference between women and men? 
if the question is about <laughs> trans women... I'm just asking, is there a difference between women and men? I mean, what I can say here is that the NCAA has rules in place. They've had rules in place for the last decade, and when this competition okay, okay, happened, I'm, I'm gonna try again. the rules were clear. Do you believe there's a difference between women and men? It, it's a yes-no question. It is. It, do you believe there's a difference? Oh, I think that we're talking about this case with the <laughs> No, I'm asking a question. Do you believe there's a difference between women and men? Most people could answer this very simply. I, I'm curious if you're willing to do so. Oh, absolutely. I'm just putting it into the context of is the that conversation yes? that we're having. I think that there are definitions it, related it, to is, sex. Is that a yes? So I'm that trying to get a yes or no. I'm not trying to get yeah, a speech. Just, it, it makes oh, is there a difference between women and men? I think that there are definitions for biological sex. Okay, so you're not answering that. Let me gender. ask you this question then. Why do women's sports exist? If you can't define a difference between women and men, why not abolish women's sports and just tell little girls to swim with little boys and see who wins? Oh, I'm simply saying that um, that sex is My different question, than gender. Why and I do, do believe why that women's, do women's sports, sports have a great exist? value. I mean, Senator, I'll tell M you right Ms. now. Ms. Robinson, please answer the question I'm asking. You. Oh, absolutely. sure. Oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, no. No, we're on the same page. You're just, you're, you're operating from a lower frequency than me. I'm... Mm -hmm. It's it it's incredible. It's just incredible. It's incre all you need to do to be successful as a progressive is a you need your costume. You, you need to find your costume, find a really unique hairdo, and then you pick out any number. You, I, there's there's no limit to the variety of thick-rimmed glasses that you can get for yourself. Even if you don't need them, you can put dummy lenses in there. Get yourself the thick-rimmed glasses. Pick out a really revolutionary hairdo, unique hairdo. Everything else is just based on your ability to refuse to answer basic fucking questions. It is incredible. 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 This is why don't expect voting to fix our problems. You think, th you think that can be fixed with voting? And this is why it was very important that we had the simulated reality conversation the other night. That is a woman who lives in another dimension and there's just simply bleed over. Like I know she you said, well, she's living in another dimension. How is she talking to uh, Ted Cruz? I don't know. I don't know. If you if you go to tune in to 92.3 FM on your dial, but you go to 92.5 FM, you just overshoot a little bit. You're probably going to hear little dribs and drabs of 92.3 bleeding over there. There is literally just layover. There's layover. We have two we have multiple dimensions occupying the same space. It's just an an incredible phenomenon. Um, so that's what we have. It's 824. We didn't have any more time for more calls. If we had the second half hour, the last half hour, then we would be able to do that. But let's get to our badass because I have to kick off book club, which is, um, one of my favorite things to do with this show now, uh, extracurricular activities. It just, it's, uh, it's very rewarding. And I hope that many of you continue to take chances on the books that we pick and just go along for the ride. It's a great mental exercise. And, um, a lot of great people join us. So let's do it right now. What is the pick for tonight? That's some badass shit. It's pretty badass. Oh, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, the pick for tonight are the Navajo Code Talkers and the Unbreakable Code. Here's a story for you. 
In the heat of battle, it is the most utmost importance that messages are delivered and received as quickly as possible. It is even more crucial that these messages are encoded to, uh, so that enemies do not know about plans in advance. During World War II, the Marine Corps used one of thousands of languages spoken in the world to create an unbreakable code. Navajo. World War II wasn't the first time a Native American language was used to create code. During World War I, the Choctaw language was used in the transmission of secret tactical messages. It was instrumental in a succession uh, or successful surprise attack against the Germans. Germany and Japan sent students to the United States after World War I to study Native American languages and cultures, such as Cherokee, Choctaw, and Comanche. Because of this, many members of the United States military services were uneasy about continuing to use code talkers during World War II. They were afraid the code would be easily cracked, but that was before they learned about the complexity of Navajo. Philip Johnston's Brainchild. In 1942, Philip Johnston was reading a newspaper article about an armored division in Louisiana that was attempting to come up with another code using Native American languages. Johnston knew the perfect Native American language to utilize in a new unbreakable code. As a child, Johnston spent most of his time on a, uh, of his childhood in a Navajo reservation while his parents served there as missionaries. He grew up learning the Navajo language and customs. Johnson became so fluent in the Navajo language that he was asked at age nine to serve as an interpreter for a Navajo delegation sent to Washington, D.C. to lobby for Indian rights. In spite of concerns about the security of a code based on a Native American language, the U.S. Marine Corps decided to give Johnston's idea a try. They approved a pilot project with 30 Navajos and, uh, and allowed Johnston to enlist and participate in the program. The first 29 recruited Navajos, one dropped out, arrived at Camp Elliott near San Diego in May of 1942. One of the first tasks for these recruits was to develop a Navajo code. The Navajo language seemed to be the perfect option as a code because it's not written and very few people who aren't of Navajo origin can speak it. However, the Marine Corps took the code to the next level and made it virtually unbreakable by further encoding the language with word substitution. During the course of the war, about 400 Navajos participated in the Code Talker program. And there's a lot, uh, there's a lot on the internet that you can actually find with their, uh, their code tables and all that stuff and, and what a lot of those replaced words were. So that is our bad, those are our badasses for, for tonight. The Navajo Code Talkers of World War II. There's plenty out there on them, and I hope that you go and uh, study a little bit a little bit further. So thank you guys and gals. We will be back tomorrow night at seven o'clock. It's Friday. So if you had more things to say about tonight, call in tomorrow because we'll open up the lines and it'll be at least to a certain degree, every, everything or anything goes. Good night and talk to you soon. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is filmed before a live studio audience, and now our super chatter, starting with Mrs. Stube, who says, "Hi, Frank. Can you please send a big birthday wish to my wonderful husband, Christos? It's 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 Sto it's Christos's birthday, of Sto Stube fame. My gosh, I wish you would have emailed me. Happy birthday to the Stubes, especially Christos. Thank you, Hello Kitty, to Sto Stube, 
to Sentinel in Uper Viking, and to all of our wonderful Rumble Ranters. Thank you to Jay Semo, to JDog28, to Freight Awakening, and then to all of our wonderful people on QuiteFrankly.tv, throwing in so many gold pills. Love to you all, and uh, stay tuned for our Thursday. Throwback Thursday is going to start in a few minutes on QuiteFrankly.tv. I'll see you in that chat room when I'm all done with my other duties over here. Good night, and until tomorrow.